We're in 2 Timothy, chapter 2. And uh, there are no notes this morning, I'm sorry. I, I worked on it and somehow it didn't get printed up, but, you know, God has a plan. So use the back of your uh, bulletin, you can write your notes there. But going through 2 Timothy, we're looking at steps to Christian maturity. I want to be stronger as a Christian, growing as a Christian on a daily basis. I don't want to get to that point where I say, well, I've made it. I'm already a, a Christian. I already read the Bible. And I've, you know, it doesn't work that way. Christianity, following Christ, is daily being engaged in spiritual warfare. And, and it's fighting for Christ. You're in a battle. Not until Jesus comes and takes us to be with him, then... The battle is going to be over. The battle is finally finished. But here on earth, we have a great job to do, and we are engaged in spiritual warfare. But what's that? Oh, yeah, there's that May 20. Don't pay attention to the May 21st Judgment Day billboards that are around town, because really, that's false prophecy. Harold Camping is telling people that the rapture will come on May 21, and and that's your birthday. Okay. <laughs> Well, just think, you won't grow any older, then you'll be, yeah. But, you know, you know, but, you know that's how it is. And, and so, here, Christianity, growing in Christ. Let's read this verse together. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. This is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. He's telling you here at Sarah Mesa Christian Fellowship, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, what? Endure hardship. Endure this hardship for God. And this is being a soldier for God, for Jesus, is not an easy job. And so that's why he uses the word, and you have to write this down. This is a long word because it's a compound word. In fact, it's three words. Soon kakopatheo. Say that together. I know, you're thinking I've said a dirty word, but no, it's a clean word. It's a good word. It's a good word. To endure hardship together. And that's what really following Christ is about. As, as believers in the church, we're following Christ together and enduring together because we're in the army of God together. We're all one. You cannot do the ministry of God by yourself. The Apostle Paul took Timothy and, and, and Silas and, and he took all these, these workers with him. And, and it was impossible because God said, you know, Tim, Paul, I want you to get workers and they're going to help you. And, and that's why he said, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me uh, these workers, Paul and, and Silas and Barnabas and, and these guards. These, these guys are going to be my servants so we're enduring together. That's why when you go to Ocean Beach, right, we go to share Christ. I cannot go down there and do evangelism by myself. You look like a weirdo. But when you're there with a group of other believers and sharing, hey, those guys, they're together, man. And, that, and I'm inspired when I'm with other believers. And I can share Christ with other believers. But I can't do it by myself. I mean, I can do it. You're called to do it by yourself. But you know what the thing is, is that when you're doing it with other believers, you feel energized. And that's why you suffer hardship together with other believers. 
as a good soldier. And that's why the word for good, good here means noble or excellent. Paul is telling Timothy to be a good soldier for Jesus, a good, hardworking, enduring soldier. And the word kalos just means noble or excellent. So you're being a right-on soldier, a noble. You're being a hero for the faith, Timothy. You see, what Timothy was going through at that time was persecution for being a Christian. And they were, he was the pastor at Ephesus, and which was the region of a Roman territory where Caesar Nero was persecuting anybody that called themselves a Christian. If you were a Christian at that time, you could be condemned to death. And Timothy was afraid. In fact, it was so fearful. And, and Paul is saying, listen, Timothy, I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be fearful. I want you to endure hardship. I want you to be as a soldier for Jesus. You're going to go through this battle and you're going to see the victory. Amen? Amen. Because Jesus is with you. And so, very important here, the committed Christian will endure spiritual warfare through Christ. And that's the first principle here, that the committed Christian, write this down, will endure spiritual warfare through Christ. You will endure it through Jesus Christ. And that's when you're committed to the cause of Christ. And that's why here in 1 Corinthians, in fact, let's, let's open up our Bibles. Keep your finger in Timothy, but go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 24. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, very important passage here that talks what Paul is talking about in his struggle as a believer and the victory there is in Christ. So in verse 24, or excuse me, I, I'm sorry, go to 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians. I hope I'm getting it right here. 1 Corinthians. You know, I'm getting my, my, my Corinthians uh, mixed up here. I'm, let, me, let me just read it to you. Just, here he says, from the Jews, five times I received what? 40 stripes. 40 stripes minus one, which means 39 stripes. 39 stripes he was beaten five times by the Jews for preaching Christ. And three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. So here Paul is saying that I'm going to show you, Timothy, that in order to endure hardship, you're going to be facing trials and persecutions like nobody else. Here I was, stoned and beaten, but what did Paul do? He says, I'm going to count it all joy for the sake of Christ. I'm going to continue preaching Christ. I'm not going to give up preaching Christ. He tells Timothy this. He says, Timothy, you're going to face hardships in your Christian walk too. Here at Sarah Mesa Christian Fellowship, as a believer, we're not going through what Paul did. We're not being shipwrecked or being stoned and being whipped and beaten. But you know what? Every single time you're tempted and want to depart from serving Christ, you're going through a difficult hardship at that very moment when you need to call out on God and say, God, Help me because this is something that is so difficult to endure. But yet, Lord, I want to be a soldier for Christ, to be an example for you. I don't want to cheat on my wife. I want to be faithful to my wife. I don't want to be a, a, a man that's going to get into pornography and somebody that's going to uh, go in a direction of sinfulness that will 
just take me away from you. Lord, I want to be a righteous man of God. And, and every time you're tempted, you're going through a battle, a spiritual battle, that God is saying, you know what? I'm calling you to be a soldier. You're going to have victory because you're following Jesus. And, and Paul is saying to Timothy, don't give up. Be a soldier for God, and there will be tough times. God is calling you to be a man of God, to say, I'm going to be a soldier in God's army. And I love uh, the story of, of Joshua. Here, Joshua is a man that followed after God's own heart. He was somebody that God told, Joshua, I want you to stay in my word, follow my word, and you're going to be strong and courageous because you're going to be following my word. Men of God, if you want to be a man of God, a true man of God, get into the word of God. You'll be strong and courageous because you're going to be following him, his word. Now, look what it also says right here. God turns hardship into glory, though. And this is where, look at uh, Acts chapter 16. Open up to 16 because we read this before, but there's so many neat things here in Acts chapter 16 in verse 22. And, or beginning with verse 20 in Acts chapter 16, and they brought them, this is Paul, and, and they brought them to the magistrates, and they said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful to us, being Romans, to receive or to observe. And then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at verse 25, it says that at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were, were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from the sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Hey, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, then he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and all those who were in his house. And he took them that same hour at night and washed their stripes, and immediately he and his whole family were baptized. And then when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. An incredible thing. Paul was beaten, whipped, put into prison. But you know what God did that for? To show the glory of God. Because now he had an opportunity to share Jesus with the flip, with that jailer, uh, the guy that was, had him in prison. And that guy accepted Christ, and then his whole family accepted Christ, and they were baptized. And then what they do, they started serving food to, to Paul and Silas. This is an incredible thing. The crowd rose up against them. But you know what? You're going to have people rise up against you every time you stand for Jesus. Every time you make a stand for Jesus, you're going to have opposition. And you know where that happens most? In your own family. 
in your own family, whenever you tell a father who doesn't believe or a mother who doesn't believe or a brother who doesn't believe, they make fun of you and they, and they sometimes persecute you and they, and they want to attack your faith. And sometimes they do it because of sibling rivalry, right? Or a brother or a sister. But you know what? God uses opposition to demonstrate his power and he's using you as a tool in his hand to proclaim the glory of God. So don't look at opposition as a soldier of God as something that is bad. Use it as something that is an opportunity to see victory for Christ because God's going to bring people to Jesus through opposition. And the Lord loves the challenge. Whenever That's why he brings challenges into your life so that he can demonstrate his glory. Amen? That's what it's all about. So going back to 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 4, it says, No one engaged, any soldier, no soldier engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now, who's the one who enlisted you as a soldier? It's God. My master is Jesus. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is my general. And I'm not, I can't tell the general, General, I, Jesus, I, I really want to serve you, but there's too many things in life that are and just too busy. I have so many things to do in the day. It's just like the man were, who Jesus said uh, to come and follow him, and, and the guy says, well, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead. There was a guy that said, well, you know, Jesus, I want to follow you, but i got to go bury my father. And Jesus is saying, there's only one thing in life that is important, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If your father has already passed away, he did not know Christ, there's nothing you can do for him. What God is saying is, I want to take your life and use it for my glory. Right now in your life, think about what is hindering you from following Christ. And God is saying, I don't want you to go back to things that are dead. I want you to go forward with what is alive, and that is the gospel. And that's why Jesus says, you have to please the one who, served, who has called you into the army. And as a soldier in God's army, what do we need to do? Put on the full armor of God. And that's why in Ephesians 6.10, it says, finally, read this with me, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. You put on the full armor of God as a soldier in Jesus' army. And so when we read through Ephesians 6, you see that the first part of the armor is the belt of truth. You have to go in with truth. You have to know what the truth is. The truth is God's word. And what God is saying is, if you're going to be a soldier in my army, you're going to have to be teaching the truth, know the truth, because guess what? The father of lies, the devil, is going to attack you and lie to you every single day. And how are you going to oppose lies? You oppose it with truth. You know, the devil is the father of lies. He's the first one to come up with a lie who lied to Adam and Eve in the garden and told them, hey, go ahead and take from that the, the fruit of the tree. It's okay. God just doesn't want you to have any fun. God doesn't, God, you know, in the day that you take of that fruit and eat of it, you're going to be just like God and your eyes are going to be opened up. 
I mean, just lie after lie after lie. And you know what? Every single day of your life, the devil comes and lies to you. You're never going to be a, a right-on Christian. You're, ne- you're always going to fail. You're always going to be somebody that's never going to be able to achieve God's righteousness because you're just not good enough. You just keep tripping and, uh, over and over again. And what's the point? In fact, a lot of people stop going to church and say, well, I give up. It's just too hard. And God is saying, wait a minute. Didn't I send my son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins? The work of Jesus has already completed everything, and his blood covers all your sins. You cannot do anything more to earn your salvation. The blood of Jesus has done it all. Why are you trying to work your way to God when God is saying is that I've already done it? My son Jesus paid for your sins, and that's why the devil accuses me, and that's what he's called an accuser. He says, Louis, you're no good. You're not righteous enough to be a pastor or a preacher. Why, why do you even try? And you know what Jesus does? He stands before the Father as my attorney, and he says, Father, I died for Louis's sins. He is righteous. He is right on because my blood covers all of his sins. And he stands holy before us right now because he accepted me as his Lord and Savior when I, he was 10 years old. And he is cleansed. And that's the, that's the power that I stand in. I, I stand on, on that alone that I gave my life to Christ and that I am righteous because Jesus died for me. So that's the truth. And as a soldier in the army of God, you put on the full armor of God. So read, that's your homework for this week. Read Ephesians chapter 6. Know what the full armor of God is, but that's what it takes to be a soldier in God's army. So God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, Psalm 46. Paul was somebody that was persecuted, but yet he said, I'm going to go on in Christ. You and your life today, you're going to go through financial troubles, You're going to go through marriage issues. You're going to go through relationship problems. You're going to go through all sorts of fears and anxiety. But you cancel them out by saying, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm not going to fix my eyes on you. I'm not going to let the enemy lie to me. I'm going to believe in your power. And I'm going to be a soldier in your army. And I'm not retreating. I'm going to move forward because you're the general and you're in the front lines. And I'm going to fight with you. And that's what the incredible thing about when you read the Old Testament, you read about Joshua and when they, they, they fought against, the, uh, I mean, they're in Jericho and they marched around the city seven times. It was Jesus that was there. It was Jesus leading the way, the power of God. And you know what? Joshua was the general there, but he was following the top general. We have a lot of famous generals. Who are some of the generals that in World War II? General Patton and Bradley and... MacArthur, great generals, but without Christ, no general can ever win a spiritual battle, and the greatest battle of all is really the battle that is facing the enemy, the spiritual battle against the forces of evil. But what God is saying is that my power, my blood, cancels out all of Satan's darts and schemes. So the disciplined Christian keeps his focus on Jesus. Jesus. 
Let's say it again. The disciplined Christian keeps his focus on Jesus. This is what Paul is telling Timothy, and that's why he says in verse 5, And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You know what the crown was back in that day? It was celery leaves. That was a, a celery was, it wasn't a gold crown. When an athlete ran and he finished the race, he was given a crown of celery leaves. And celery was an expensive, a very, price, very uh, costly uh, vegetable. I guess whatever it is. And they would take the leaves and they'd crown the victory with celery leaves. But that crown would eventually wither and perish. And it was something that just doesn't last. I mean, even in your refrigerator right now, you probably have some celery that's turning bad down there. And it just it doesn't matter how strong you try to preserve it, it's going to go, uh, you end up throwing it away. What God is saying is that I'm going to give you a crown that's going to last forever. And this crown is something that is based on what Jesus did on the cross. And that's why the prerequisites, three, exactly three prerequisites for the Greek athlete back in that time. Number one, he had to be a true-born Greek. Back then, that's why Paul is saying is that you can't compete unless you follow the rules. The first rule for that, that Greek athlete, he had to be a true Greek a true born-again Greek. He had to prepare for 10 months in training. And then he had to stand before Zeus, the statue of Zeus, and swear that he had trained for 10 months. He had to say, Zeus, I have trained before you for 10 months. And they said, have you sworn before Zeus for 10 months that you've trained? Okay, then you can compete. Those were the rules. And then he had to stay within the rules within that event. So Paul is saying is that no athlete can win the prize unless he stays within those rules. But then there are Christian rules, and there are rules that God has given to every single believer. That's why Paul says, 1 Corinthians 9, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do not get it. They do, they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. You're going to get a crown that lasts forever. A crown not perishable, but eternal. And that crown is the eternal life that God is going to give to every single one that commits to Jesus Christ and says, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. Now, how many of you here are athletes? How many of you are, or maybe you used to be an athlete. Okay, all of us at one time, right? We used to be. Uh, But it is tough to be an athlete like a Lance Armstrong, somebody that just keeps winning the, uh, the Tour de France and just, uh, or who are some of the other great athletes of our time here? It's hard to name an athlete right now that hasn't been on steroids or something. Mark Spitz. Okay, Mark Spitz was a great athlete at one time. I, what, six gold medals? Seven gold medals in swimming. In fact, he was on the cover of all these magazines and Time magazine, Sports Illustrated. But somebody that, you know what you do with trophies? Eventually they tarnish. You hang them up, but eventually they get full of dust. And eventually they get tossed out. It's like, what am I going to do with this? 
It's something that just doesn't, does not endure forever. If you go back to your old high school and you remember those days when you would see the trophy case and way back in, back in the old days and all the trophies, and maybe you helped, were on a winning team that helped win those trophies, but they tarnish and they fade away. What God is saying is, I'm going to give you a crown that will last forever and ever and ever and ever because it's based on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I love what it says right here and continuing on. It says, therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body. In some versions it might say, buffet, but that's not buffet. You don't buffet your body. But anyway, this is a, I beat my body to make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You make your body a slave for serving Christ. That means you discipline your body. You discipline your, as a Christian, you're disciplining yourself to grow in faith, to be committed to the task of serving Christ. That means constantly working at growing as a believer in Jesus Christ. You're studying the Word of God. You're, you're getting involved in a small group and studying with other believers. You're memorizing Scripture. You're out sharing your faith. You're getting together with other Christians who are sharing their faith, and you're hanging around with them, and you're learning. But you, you beat your body in the sense that you make it a slave and that you discipline it. Now, you all know that in athletics, you, you, you really you go to the point of exhaustion. You're, you're beating your, 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 the strenuousness of actually fighting to keep your body alive. But here, win for Jesus. I do discipline myself to succeed in do I discipline myself to succeed in winning the race? Do you discipline yourself? Think about that right now. As a believer, do you discipline yourself to succeed in winning the spiritual race? Think about that. Answer that question. You can put a yes, a Y next to that question or an N. But do you really discipline yourself? And I think that the part of being a Christian in most of our lives where we lack is real spiritual discipline. I want our church to be spiritually disciplined where you're actually making great sacrifices to say, yes, I want to grow in my faith. And I'm going to take the next step of what it is to mean to cancel out the things that bring me pleasure. And Lord, what are the things that I need to do to discipline myself to grow in my faith in Jesus Christ? We need to do that as a church. That's why next Saturday we're going to go out to Ocean Beach and we're just going to be there and we're going to go and share Christ. Because as Pastor Craig said, unless we're out evangelizing, our church will die. You have to share Christ with other people. You have to communicate the gospel with San Diego and around the world. Like I said, Dan and Kelly are going to Europe. And I don't believe in taking a trip just for fun. There's got to be an element of sharing Christ out there. So he's going to take some... New Testament tracts in Spanish, when they go to Spain, they're going to pass them out. They're going to say, ¿Conoce al Señor Jesucristo? ¿Sí? ¿No? ¿Me quieres saber más de Cristo? Ok, aquí tengo la, la Biblia. ¿Y quieres leer la Biblia? Ok, órale, man. You know, they're going to be sharing Jesus. And they're going to all these Spanish people say, Simón, you know, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. But that's what it takes. 
Every time you go somewhere, take a tract with you. Take a, a flyer. Take a, a little New Testament or and just prepare to give it away and say, Don't, I'm not, I can't go home today until I give this tract away. And you know what? There's going to be people that are going to turn you down. There's going to be people that say, out of my way. But there's going to be somebody that says, really? This is for me? I've been searching for God. Thank you. Lord, for bringing somebody into my life that's showing me how to get the, to know God. And that way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. It's because you were there. And so be prepared to endure hardship and persecution and, and being made fun of. That's a part of being a Christian. The Apostle Paul went through that all every single day of his life. That's why he was beaten five times. That's why he was stoned and, and shipwrecked. He was always on those missionary journeys. Now, Dan, we're not saying you're going to get shipwrecked on your way to Europe, but, you know, God does do wonderful things when you put yourself in the front lines, and that's the kind of church we want to be. So, do I understand self-denial? Do you understand self-denial in your life? You know, we hate to deny ourselves, right? We hate to say, you know, boy, I, you know, I, I'm feeling a little hungry. I, um, you know, like Yvonne and I were watching... The Food Network. I mean, we watch the Food Network, and, I, and we think, let's, let's learn how to cook something here, something great. And, and Guy Fieri there on the diners, dive-ins, and drives, and they go to these restaurants, and they're showing how to... They're making this lobster calamari or lobster raviolis, and they take fresh lobster, and they crack it open, and they, uh, they make ravioli. I mean, just big chunks of lobster in the ravioli and this ravioli sauce and that's made out of lobster... Anyway, Yvonne and I turned to each other and said, let's go get some of that uh, uh, lobster ravioli. I mean, that just, where do we, we buy it? And it's actually about 9.30 at night. So wait a minute, how about a little bit of self-denial here? And uh, let's say, let's, uh, maybe we should not do that. It's getting kind of late. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it takes discipline in your life to discipline yourself physically. But spiritual discipline is saying, I'm going to give up things in my life that hinder me from following Christ. So ask yourself, do I understand self-denial in order to grow spiritually? And do I understand self-sacrifice? Am I willing to give up finances for the cause of Christ? Am I willing to give up time for the cause of Christ? Am I willing to give up my labor for the cause of Christ? Think about that. What God is calling you to do great things for him, but it means self-sacrifice. And a lot of us are being told that, you know, when you come to be a Christian, all of a sudden, good things. You're in a bed of roses and just sweet aromas, and everybody's kind to you, and, and Christians at church, and everybody's hugging each other. You know, at, Christian, at churches, we have our problems too, right? But you know what? Jesus is victorious when two Christians get together and say, man, let's, let's repent of our sins and stop fighting and let's, let's get together and be united in Christ and, and let's, let's, let's just deny ourselves and put Jesus first. That's the, that's the church that is seeing success. So do I understand the effort? Do I understand the effort in following Christ? It's going to cost sweat, blood. What's the song? Blood, Sweat, and Tears, the band. Blood, sweat, and tears. And it's going to come because you're saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. Do I understand that I must obey the word of God and keep the rules lest I be disqualified? Do you understand these things? 
To understand the rules means I need to follow the rules of God's word. I need to understand the rules of God's word in order to be complete in Christ, to be successful with him. And am I an athlete who runs to win? Do I run to win for the cause of Christ? And think about that. Am I a hardworking servant of Christ? Are you working hard for Jesus, serving Jesus? And I love it when I hear about Christians that are serving and just giving their time and their, their talents and their, because they want to see the name of Jesus proclaimed and glorified. So that's why in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, read this with me. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The word for encumbrance was the, the garments. When a runner would, before he would go into the race, he would strip himself of all the, the robes and the, the belts that he would have on and the weights and, and all of the, 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 the tunic and every single thing around him except for the bare essentials in order to run the race. So the athlete in those days would strip himself of whatever would encumber him, whatever would trip him from getting to the finish line. As a believer, God is saying to you, what is it that is encumbering you in your life from fixing your eyes on Jesus? What is it? God is saying, I want you to strip that from your life today because I want you to win the race. I want you to be a winner for Jesus. So set your eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. So number three, the hardworking Christian will reap a great harvest because here's a third metaphor. The first metaphor was the soldier. The second metaphor was the athlete. The third metaphor is the farmer that the Christian follows. The hardworking farmer must, verse two, verse six in Second Timothy 2, 2, 2, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. The word for hardworking is kapio. Say that with me. Kopiao. Kopiao. To grow weary, tired, exhausted with toil or burdens or grief. And that's what it says. The hardworking farmer will grow weary and tired and exhausted from working in the field. And we, we don't know many farmers like we in the old days. In the old days, uh, back when, I think, in, even back in the 50s, we'd know people were, were farmers and people. I, I grew up on a, in the city, but my grandfather had a little bit of a farm, and they had chickens, and they had, he was growing vegetables, and, and he had fruit trees. But we would go in the backyard as kids, and we'd see all the chickens. And we, you ever been into a hen house? And we would go into the hen house, and all the chickens would be up on their their roosts up there and sleeping, and, and as kids, we'd go and, you know, wake them up and just, uh, you know, go out and shout and everything and just, you know, real nice, I know, but, but that was what we did. And, then we, and my grandfather, real sweet guy, I mean, he was a real guy, hey, Louie, you guys shouldn't be waking up the chickens like that, <laughs> because, but he was somebody that really worked hard. And the first job I ever had in San Jose, California, was picking prunes because my grandfather took me out to pick prunes. And then uh, it was 25 cents for a box, picking up a box of prunes. And I think we did one box and ate another box. I mean, but you know what happens when, you know, 
It was pretty bad. But my, here we were as little kids, and my grandfather gave us each, my, three, my other brother and sister at that time, he gave us each a dollar. Just being real kind, he gave us a dollar for all our toil and labor uh, for just doing one box. But he gave us four times the amount of what we had earned or actually should have gotten. But that was my grandfather, uh, Grandpa uh, Aldama, uh, Vidal Aldama. In fact, we named our son Daniel Vidal, and that is uh, after uh, Vidal. But the hardworking farmer must put me first to produce, for, to partake of the crops. So, but to grow weary, he works hard. He works labors by the sweat of his brow. And what God is saying here, and Paul is telling Timothy, is that Timothy, as a believer in Jesus Christ, work hard at the Christian faith. To serve Jesus, you're going to sacrifice and sweat, and it's going to be, they're going to be weary times. There are going to be times when you're not going to want to go to that Bible study at night. You're going to say, I'm just too tired. I worked all day, and i got to get up early in the morning. But you know what? God is saying, I want you to commit, and I want you to be so committed to me that it's going to take extra effort, and it's going to be, require some, some exhaustion. You're going to be tired. You know, we, we do a lot of things. You go to school, you, you, uh, you get involved in sports, and they tell you you have to be here at this time, you have to commit to these things, you have to be in this training, and if you're going to take this class, you have to do this homework, and you have to do all of these exercises, and you have to come to Saturday classes, and it's going to take a lot of effort, and you say, okay, I'll do it. But then a lot of times when Christians are confronted with spiritual work, we say, wait a minute. I don't know if I could do that. That's the, that means an extra hour in my week and that I have to do this. And God is saying, yeah, that's right. It's going to take extra time. It's going to take extra hours to go and do be a part of that Bible study or to go out and share Christ. But that's what I'm calling you to do. That's what the hardworking farmer did. And then it says in verse 7, and this is a real important word, consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. And so the word for consider, noeo, to ponder, to understand, to think through these things. Timothy. Paul is saying, Timothy, consider these things. If you're going to be serving Christ, it's just like an athlete. It's going to require self-discipline, getting up and training and working hard and being a part of some, a winning team. And if you, Timothy, if you consider this, if you're going to be following Jesus Christ, it's going to be just like the, the, that soldier and that, that athlete, and you're going to be putting your life on the front lines, and it means you're going to be shot at. It means you're going to face real difficult hardships. But that's what it means to follow Christ. And then, Timothy, if you're going to be committed to Christ. It's just like that farmer who gets up at four o'clock in the morning and he's out in the fields and he's the last one home and he's home at dark. And then, but he knows that it's going to produce, produce a great harvest because this is what the Christian life means. So consider what I say and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. So ask yourself, what is your commitment to Christ? What is your commitment to Jesus Christ? Do I sweat in producing a spiritual crop like the true farmer? Or, ask yourself that. Do I sweat? Do you really come to a point in your Christian life where it really exhausted you to serve Christ? And that's what it means when he says, consider what I say. Consider it. How much, 
how do you match up? How do you match up in your Christian life compared to what Paul is telling Timothy to do? So, and this is an important verse here, Psalm 119.73. Let's read it together. Your hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. This is what it's all about. Lord, give me understanding that I may follow your commandments. Give me understanding. And that's why it's so important when you read your Bible, don't just say, well, I'm trying to read my Bible through in a year, and you, you read your Bible real fast and don't get any understanding. Pause and learn. And when you read the Word of God, see what it says and say, am I doing this? Am I following what God is saying? And make a checklist and say, if I'm not doing this, write in your Bible, work on this, Louie. Work on this and get it done and, and set a date on there. And, and by this date, I'm going to give up this and I'm going to start doing this and I'm going to put my commitment to Jesus Christ. But it takes discipline. And God is saying, listen, if you're going to be in my army, if you're going to be in my church, discipline yourself for spiritual maturity. So these are the key elements for spiritual maturity. Remember these three metaphors, that to be a Christian is just like being a soldier, just like being an athlete, just like being a farmer. All of them take hard work, but all of them produce a great result. You want to be a part of this? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. How powerful it is to change our lives. How sharp your word is. It cuts through the marrow and, and through our bone and to our soul. And it speaks to us because these are the words of God. And Lord, I pray that today that our church will be committed to fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, to lay aside every encumbrance and everything that weighs us down, to strip ourselves of anything that is in the way of being what you have called us to be, and to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to start following you. I'm going to give up the things that bring me pleasure and start doing the self-discipline that will bring you pleasure, Lord. Lord, I need less of myself, more of you. Lord, I pray that above all that you will be glorified in my life. I want to share my faith. I want to be on the front lines. I want to be somebody that is saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to deny, deny myself the pleasures so that you are, see my life as something to be joyful for. You want to be, take joy in my life. 